a word. Truly is an honor to be here in this great church. And uh, it is true, Sister Pearson and I have been a lot of places, a lot of churches across this country. And uh, let me tell you, this church rates very, very, very high in the apostolic movement. It's exciting. I give honor to your pastor until the and also the elder. Amen, Brother Frost. We love them and appreciate them. And it's exciting to see what God is doing here in this place. And Brother Bradford mentioned some of the things that transpired in my Minot, North Dakota. And uh, between my three boys and Brother Bradford, it's a miracle he's here. And it's a miracle they're all there and living for God. And uh, I still, when we get together, they were just up in Wisconsin to see us. And they were telling me some things that I had never heard about. And I don't dare even uh, retell them. Plead the fifth. That's that's good. I might do it at another point. Anyway, in uh, I do want to tell you tonight. Um, this is going to be a little different than my usual style of preaching, but I have felt this in my heart as we look at our world and the condition of our world and what's taking place among us. I think we need to get outside of the box sometimes. I will at some point read you a story, a real story, a true story. But I want us to just lift our hands to the Lord right now one more time and ask him to help us. Lord God, we ask you to help us tonight. We give you thanks. We give you glory, God, for your spirit in this house, Lord. God, we thank you. We ask you to touch our lips of clay, God. Touch our minds and our spirits, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord. Give you honor and give you praise. You may be seated. In the word of the Lord, and I know you usually stand for a text to be written, but I want to just launch from here. And We are a blessed blessed people. I love to preach a message. We are too blessed to be depressed. But in the midst of it all, we are also in a battle. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 reads, starting in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators or adulterers or adulterers, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then the indictment that he said, leaves, he said, and such were some of you. And I can say that tonight to each and every one of us 
that were here. We were all in that category at one time or rather we were lost. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight about being blessed, about the blessings of the Lord that we have. We are rich. I said we are a rich, rich people. He goes on, and such were some of you. You were a poor lot. They were poor. We were poor at one time in our life. Maybe not in the financial realm, which uh, that happens too, but in the spiritual realm that I'm talking about tonight. He said, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. Ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I'm here to tell you today, church, we are a blessed people. We are rich in the Spirit to be in the house of the Lord. Paul was writing to the Ephesians, and he said in chapter 2, he said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's poor. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were a poor lot, every one of us, at some point in time in our life. He goes on. He doesn't leave us there. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ By grace we are saved. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen that he saw fit to allow us to be here in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen, amen, amen. In the book of Mark chapter 10, we find that Jesus was with his disciples that he had chosen walking down a dusty road that day. And I can only imagine, you know, when we're reading the Word of God or digging into the Word of God, everything has a before and an after. It is always that way. The Bible tells us that if everything were written, the books, all the books in the world could not hold. But we can look and have insight. The disciples had been called. They had laid aside everything, and they were following Jesus. And as they're going down the road, I am confident in their minds, some of their minds, they were asking the question, where are we going? They were probably asking the questions. They had left their livelihoods and their families. They were probably wondering, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen at home? All these things were probably, I'm sure, going through their minds. And in the distance, they see a young man, a man running toward them, toward Jesus. 
And as they got closer, they realized it was the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus. Now, I'm basing some of this on how I would probably react, and I think you would. If they were wondering how are we going to do all this that Jesus is wanting us to do, they probably, when he began to talk to the Lord, they probably thought this is who we've been looking for. This is the guy with the bucks. And that's how Jesus is going to do all this. And then Jesus begins to talk to him. This man falls at the feet of Jesus and says, what must I do? Basically, what must I do to be saved, Lord? And the Lord starts in talking to him. He tells him what he needs to do in his life. I think if I would have been standing there, I would have probably got nervous about then. This is the guy that we really need. He's got the money. Now we know how we're going to do it. And Jesus is telling him what he needs to do. And they probably breathe the sigh of relief when Jesus uh, tells him what he needs to do. And the rich young ruler says, I've done all this from my youth up. And then Jesus, he says to him, there's one thing you lack. You need to sell what you have and give it to the poor. I can imagine their attitude and them saying, Jesus, do you have to be so hard about this? You're going to turn him off and run him away. Can I preach to you for a little while today, church, what we preach and what we teach? Uh, amen. If somebody's hungry, uh, it's not going to turn them off. Uh, amen. I'm here to tell you uh, we are in a battle in our world today. When I look and see what has happened to the world around us, we are in a war. We are not physically over there in the Ukraine. But we're seeing all these things that are coming to pass. But I'm here to tell you we are in a world in the spiritual realm. It is time to realize who we are, and that we are in a battle. But I'm glad today that we know in whom we have put our trust, the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that the rich young ruler, he walked away. A service was beginning tonight, and the worship started. I don't know where that little guy is. Where's that little bitty worshiper out here? Where's he at? In the bathroom. That's a good place for him. Amen. But I was watching him sitting over here, and uh, the choir was singing, and, and he, was, he was going through all the motions, and he was, he was raising his hands. He was clapping his hands, and it touched my heart as I watched him. And I don't know how many young people we have here under the age of 18 or under, but let me tell you today, they are the future of the apostolic movement in our world today. They are worth fighting for, church. I said they are worth fighting for. Amen. A few years ago, I came across this, and it touched my heart greatly, and it changed my perspective 
We are blessed, church. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. We are blessed to be in the house of the Lord tonight. We are blessed to know who he is. And I came across this. I want you to know we are rich, church. I said we are rich. Amen. Not in dollars maybe, but we are rich in the Holy Ghost. This little story goes like this. It says, I'll never forget Easter of 1946. This was at the ending of the Great Depression. I remember my dad talking to me about the Great Depression and the things that they went through. So I came across this. It was, I'll never forget Easter of 1946. I was 14. My little sister, O.C., was 12. My older sister, Darlene, was 16. We lived at home with our mother, and the four of us knew what it was like to do without many things. My dad had died five years prior, leaving mom with seven school kids to raise and no money. By 1946, my older sister was, sisters were married, and my brother had left home a month before Easter. And the pastor got up on Easter and he said, our church, uh, are, we're going to take a special Easter offering. This was prior to Easter. And it would be taken to help a poor family. He asked everyone to save and give sacrificially. We got home. We talked about what we could do. We decided to buy 50 pounds of potatoes and live on them for a month. This would save us $20 on our grocery bill. And we would have money for the sacrificial offering. When we thought if we kept our electricity off and turned out as uh, turned down as low as possible, we wouldn't listen to the radio. We would save money on the month's electric bill. Darlene got as many houses to clean as she could, and for 15 cents we could buy enough cotton loops to make three pot holders to sell for a dollar. We made 20 pot holders that month, and that was one of the best years of our life. Every day we counted the money to see how much we'd save. At night we would sit in the dark and talk about how the poor family was going to enjoy having money the church would give them. We had about 80 people in our church so we figured that whatever amount the money we had get to give, the offering would surely be 20 times that amount. After all, every Sunday, the pastor had reminded every one of us to save sacrificially. The day before Easter, O.C. and I walked to the grocery store, got the manager to give us three crisp $20 bills and a 10 for all of our change. We ran all the way home to tell mom, to show mom. We had never seen that much money before. That night we were so excited we could hardly sleep. We didn't care that we wouldn't have new clothes for Easter. We had $700 for that sacrifice, $70 for that sacrificial offering. We could hardly wait to get to church. On Sunday morning it rained. We didn't own an umbrella. The church was over a mile away. 
but it didn't seem to matter how wet we got. Darlene had cardboard in her shoes, and the, and the cardboard fell out of the bottom of her shoes. But we sat in the church feeling so proud. I heard some teenagers talking about the Smith girls having on their old dresses. I looked at them in their new clothes, and I felt so very rich. When the sacrificial offering was taken, we were sitting on the second row from the front. Mom put in the $10 bill, and each of us kids put in a 20 As we walked home from church, we sang all the way. At lunch, Mom surprised us. She had bought a dozen eggs, and we had boiled Easter eggs and fried potatoes. Late that afternoon, the minister drove up in his car. Mom went to the door and talked with him for a moment and then came back with an envelope in her hand. We asked what was in it. She didn't say anything. She just opened the envelope and poured out two $20 bills and one ten and 17 $1 bills. Mom put the money back in the envelope, and we didn't talk much. We just sat there and stared at the floor. We had gone from feeling like millionaires to feeling like poor white trash. We kids had had such a happy home that we felt sorry for anyone who didn't have a mom and dad like ours and neighborhood kids dropping in all the time. I knew we didn't have a lot of things that other people had, but I never knew we were poor. That Easter day, I found out we were. The minister had brought us the money for the poor family, so we must be poor. I didn't like being poor. I looked at my dress and my worn-out shoes and felt so ashamed. I didn't even want to go back to church. Everybody now knew that we were the poor family of the church. I thought about school. I was in the ninth grade and at the top of my class. I wondered if the kids at school knew we were poor. I decided that I would quit school since I'd finished the eighth grade. That was all the law required at the time. We sat in silence for a long, long time. Then it got dark and we went to bed. All that week, we girls, we went to school and came home. No one talked much. Finally, on Saturday, Mom Ask us what we wanted to do with the money. We didn't know. We didn't know what poor people did with money. We'd never known we were poor. We didn't really want to go back to church on Sunday, but Mom made us. Mom started to sing on the way, but no one joined in, and she just sang one verse. At church that Sunday, there was a, a missionary passing through. And he talked about how churches in Africa made buildings out of sun-dried bricks, but they needed money to buy roofs. He said $100 would buy a roof for a church. The minister said, can we all sacrifice to help these poor people? We looked at each other and we smiled for the first time in a week. Mom reached into her purse, and she pulled out an envelope. She passed it to Darlene, and Darlene gave it to me, and I handed it to O.C., and O.C. put it in the offering. 
When the offering was counted, the minister announced that it was a little over $100. The missionary got up. He was so excited. He hadn't expected such a large offering from such a small church. He said, you must have some very rich people in this church. Suddenly it struck us. We had given 87 of that little over $100. We were the rich family in the church. Hadn't the missionary said so? She said, I have never been poor again in my life. I'm telling you today, church, we are rich in this world that we're living in. To have what we have, what God has given us. Proverbs said, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The devil is a liar, and he wants us to believe that we are poor because we are not involved with this world. Let me tell you, you need to get it into your kids' mind and spirit uh, that what we do in the house of God uh, is the greatest thing in the entire world. Amen. I've had parents. Brother Bradford will know who I'm talking about. I've had parents come to me after a service upset because we don't do sports and we don't go here and we don't go there and we don't bring certain things into our home. I can tell you where their kids are at today and where they are at today. I'm here to tell you we are rich. We may be poor in the physical but God's even blessed us that way. Uh, but I'm here to tell you we are blessed uh, as never before today. Uh, and we are in a battle, church. Uh, we need to get it in our hearts uh, and our minds uh, that we are in a battle today uh, for our children. They are the greatest asset uh, that we have in this world. Uh, we've got to let them know and understand uh, where we stand. We are in a battle like never before. Uh, I'm looking for something here, uh, and I'll find it. But I want you to understand, uh, church, it's time to fight like we have never fought before in our lifetime. Amen. We can't patty-cate uh, what we're going through. Uh, amen. Uh, we were attacked uh, with a COVID virus uh, but it has not slowed us down. It's made us more determined than ever. But we've got to get something in these young men, in these young ladies, in these little babies. Amen. They are the greatest asset to revival on down the road. Amen. Men like Brother Frost and myself at our age, we're not going to fight this battle too much longer, Brother Frost, but there's got to be somebody, and there already is, that's stepping in, but we've got to get another generation. The enemy of our soul, amen, I used to. I used to so often when I'd get up to preach, 
Amen. I would, I would refer to Sodom and Gomorrah and, 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 and use it as a backdrop. Uh, can I tell you today, uh, amen, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I just look at America and see what's taking place, uh, amen, in the world that we live in. Uh, amen, sin is glorified. Uh, I said it's legalized. Uh, you can kill your baby, uh, but you can't kill your dog. Uh, I'm here to tell you uh, we are in a battle for our children and our young people as never before. I am simply reading a song. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just going to read a song. It came up on my computer. I quickly got up and printed it off, and it was gone. It, is, it was sang by the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir founded 40 years ago. It's a 300-member choir. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our, uh, our agenda goes unchecked? Funny. Just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit. Quietly, and you'll barely notice it. You can keep them from the disco, warn them about San Francisco, make them dress, and I'm paraphrasing some of this, the way you want them to, to dress, but we will convert your children. We'll change their group of friends. Oh, you may be disgusted or gross. They're singing this. It's public. When they start finding things online that you have kept far from their sight, like information, guess what? You'll still be all right. We'll convert your children, reaching one and all. I'm not going to read it all. It's sickening. But it says your children will care about fairness and justice. There's a war going on, church. Your children will work to convert all their sisters and brothers. Then soon, almost certain, your kids will start converting you. I'm telling you, church, we are in a battle for the souls of our children as never, ever before. I read that but I'm here to declare to the enemy of our soul, not on our watch, not on our watch, over my dead body, it's time to fight like we have never fought before. It's time to stand at the gate of hell and say, not my kids, amen. We got a glorious, wonderful church. Amen. We got a glorious, wonderful God. 
I'm here to tell you uh, it's got to happen, church. We've got to make up our minds. I want the musicians to come. My youngest son was getting ready to be married. They were going to be married in about two weeks. And uh, I was already in bed. And Vaughn comes into my room and he's weeping. He's crying. He kneels down. I turned over on my side. Brother Frost, he kneeled down, knelt down beside my bed. He got a hold of my hand. And he's just weeping. And he says, Dad, I got to tell you something. He said, I, I've just got to talk to you. I got to tell you. And my carnal mind's going, oh, no, something's happened. What's wrong? And, and I said, oh, what is it, son? By then, my wife was in. And uh, we're crying. He, I mean, he's weeping. Pays to fight moms and dads. I said, son, what is it? What's wrong? He got a hold of my hand. He said, dad, don't ever, ever quit preaching what you've preached all these years. We can't stop church, moms and dads. We can't stop. We can't stop. That same boy, when he was nine years old, we had a fireplace. We had a, a stove out there on the compound. And uh, my son had started, we'd go to garage sales, and he'd buy uh, baseball and basketball cards. He'd see them, and he'd buy them. And, and I thought nothing of it. And he had, he had, a, he had a cute, you remember those, uh, Pastor? And... Uh, I had never said a word to him about him, but he could, he would, he would get somebody to pull out a card and show him, show him the card, and then he'd tell him the, he would tell him all the stats on the back of that card. He had so many of those things memorized. And my wife and I, we heard something in the middle of the night. I'm telling you, pays to fight for your kids and put something into them, make them believe this is the greatest. Thing in the entire world, this church. And we went in, and he's sitting by the stove. Do you remember that, Brother Bradford? Those things would be a, war, a fortune, worth a fortune today. <laughs> and he's throwing them in the fire. Nine years old, one at a time. Somewhere, somehow, deep down inside. Something was working in his spirit. And he's preaching the gospel now. Pastor in a good revival church. I'm here to tell you, we've got to raise them up, church. We've got to raise them up. What I want to do today, and I know in this large church, I've done this in several churches, but I want you to gather your family together with you wherever but just start moving around. And, and, and you got family. If you don't have family here, join somebody's family. But get your kids. And dads, get your grandparents and moms. 
Let's huddle up together, little groups. If you don't have family here, join somebody that you're close to. We invite everybody to come if you need something today from God. If you need a closer walk with God, if you need the Holy Ghost, let's gather in. This, these are your greatest treasures. When that trumpet sounds, when that trumpet sounds, I want all my family there. Let's leak hands, arms. Let's draw our family close to us. Go ahead, sis. You got a song. But let's begin to talk to the Lord. And let's pray for our families. Pray for our kids. I need the oh, I need Oh, I need you, Lord. Oh God. Hallelujah. I need you for my wife. I need you for my husband. I need you for my babies. For my teenagers. There are forces out there trying to pull your children away from you. Come on, let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. God, I need you. This world, you need him in this world. You need your Jesus. Oh, talk to the Lord today, you young people, you young men, you young ladies. God, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Oh, we've got kids that are not here that are in need. God, we're reaching out to you, Lord. To you for our children, Lord.
go 